energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome to yet another episode of the Activated Authors podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by the incomparable Julie Heiner. Say hi, Julie. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. Julie Heiner is an author, storyteller, and blogger. She has independently published an inspirational work of nonfiction and two dark crime novels. Several of Julie's short horror stories have been published, and she has collaboratively released a horror anthology with myself. Uh, Julie's home base is killersanddemons.com, where she serves up toxic cocktails of 80s metal, ritualistic murder, and raw horror. Julie lives in her hometown in Canada, nestled near the Rocky Mountains. A hardcore 80s rocker at heart, Julie's writing is infused with music of all eras. Her dark crime novels are a fusion of 80s metal, 70s acid rock, and dark storytelling. Obsessed with the dark mind of a serial killer, Julie's characters are based on bits and pieces of some of the most terrifying monsters to roam the earth. And what are those monsters, Julie? Oh, uh, primarily the good old 70s, 80s serial killers like the Ted Bundys, the Robert Pictons, mm. uh, yeah, Edmund Kemper, a bit of Charles Manson, even Jack the Ripper. So I kind of go for that real bona fide serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the slasher stories as well, but I tend to stick more to the like criminal minds kind of stuff. And those uh, real monsters can translate not just into the murder mystery realm, but also into horror very easily. Mm. Yes, because, um, yeah, I mentioned in the intro, you do kind of gel and switch in between them. And like, we can take this conversation so many different directions. My head is spinning right now. But um, just to say for a note for people who were former listeners of Great Writer Share, you might recognize Julie from episode 40, which we've only just realized aired a, nearly two years ago, which seems absolutely insane because me and you connected through you enjoying my books and then I loved your work and so we worked on an anthology together so you know there's been a whole journey in then but let me just start by kind of saying um well firstly how has your author career changed since June of 2020? Wow yeah so I I'm guessing I had just launched the first book in the crime series I'm working on uh now I've uh, final track. Final track. Um, and the second one, Acid Track, I launched in complete lockdown virtually, which went very well. And now I'm working on the third. So how have things changed? Well, I guess there's a few things I can touch on. When uh, we did the interview for Great Writers Share, we did talk a lot about my nonfiction work, Just mm-hmm. a Girl on a Bike. And I guess I had done that. It's a fundraiser. It's inspirational. Um And I kind of thought it wouldn't go any further. But now that I've written a number of books, I have a strong desire to write a second one uh, based on hiking because I've really moved more into the one step at a time rather than one pedal stroke at a time world. Mm. Um, But that's something to come. What's that? Just a girl and a hike. 
Yes. Right. (laughs) And then in the fiction side, I mean, not only is the series going now, when I wrote the first book, I didn't really know it was going to be a series, but as you've mentioned, I've had some horror short stories published and also you and I launched an anthology. So I had those things as like, I'd like to do these someday. I'd like to collaborate with someone. I'd like to have uh, something published by other people other than myself. I think it went a lot faster than I thought because I just, went into it and did the work and focused on it and had some really great response. So I feel deep into that author world now, Mm -hmm. probably more than when you interviewed me a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's good. It's a very good feeling. Yes. And it's been really nice to see your journey as well, because, you know, obviously you've been involved in the activated author stuff and the boot camps and everything else that I've been involved in. So I've had the, the honor of seeing your journey progress from when we first started talking and, you know, not only do we have sort of a shared love of horror, but you also have all your dark crime stuff um, as well. And it does feel like, you know, in the beginning, and it would make sense that you were kind of much more early on in terms of I released a book and now I'm not really sure what to do with it. Like not, you do put together fantastic launches, which I'm envious of. Um, and that first launch where you actually, you know, had people over, you had a band and everything else just perfectly suits, you know, the book and what you were doing. And we might go into that in a little bit. Um, but it does, as you say, you've, it seems like you're a lot more entrenched in the author world. Um, I want to ask kind of how how was your belief in what the author life can offer changed since that first book? How is it? Because it's clearly grown. But what has that journey felt like for you going from releasing the book to suddenly like, oh, let's keep producing and making more stuff? Um, yeah, it's a great question. When I wrote the first novel, it was a I'd really like to write a novel. And it seems like a really big project, which it is. I don't know if I can do it, but I want to do it. And so I did it. And I actually just, it was kind of like I was in my office researching and writing and I did have interaction. Like I got some manuscript reviews. I got some feedback. I had to find beta readers and I had to ask people a lot of questions, but I didn't really have a lot of uh, much community around my writing life. It was very isolated. And so what can the writing life offer you? Well, for me, one of the biggest benefits is there is a massive community out there, not only locally in your city or town, but virtually. And so as I've met you, I've become part of the Activated Authors. There's a number of communities now that I've become part of, which a a lot has to do with this virtual world and what it enables for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So that now writing is I'm not alone and it's fun and it's supportive and I can support others and they support me. We can answer questions for each other, cheer each other on. And so being a person that loves interaction and community, I didn't realize how much there was out there being a writer. The other thing um, for me is I did have a career in computer science. And this is kind of like my, it's not really like a massive career. I mean, sometimes I feel like it is because I do have big goals. Hmm. Um, But I love the flexibility. If you're someone like me who can decide, I'm going to sit down now and I'm going to get this done and can work to a schedule, but have some flexibility. Um, My husband also has a very flexible situation. So it's really nice. Like yesterday, we just went and hiked all day. And so if you're someone who can shift things from one day to the other, given you do have some meetings and things you can't shift. But if it's a day where I was going to work on a bunch of stuff, but I can shift it to the next day or the day before, then you've got this flexibility to do things in life that are, in my opinion, real life. And so that's a big benefit for me as well. And then I guess one final thing is when there's projects that you're working on that you love, and I do love writing, I think you have to love it to do this much. Oh, yes. Um, 
if you just have an hour, or a couple hours, suddenly you're bored or you, you have a free space, um, you can just sit down and do it because these projects are so big. There's always something to do. And if you love it enough and you're into it enough, you can just sit down and do it spontaneously. And I love that. And you mentioned community. And, you know, that is one of the fundamental things that I, I push, whether it's, you know, through things like the Activated Authors or whether it's like Facebook groups or forums. There are so many different ways to connect with people out there. Yet one question I do get commonly is, you know, how do I find my people? How do I find whether that's authors or readers? Do you have any advice for people on how to locate those? Because, you know, you are a part of a number of communities now for different purposes. But how did you how did you find these communities in the first place? Okay, so when I started writing, it was before COVID existed. So everything, a lot of things were in person. So in my city, um, there's actually a really cool conference once a year for writers here. And it's all volunteer driven so that the cost is really low to go, especially if you live here and you don't need like a hotel room. Um, so I found out about that. And I just, I look for things. Like I talk to people, I look for things. I found out about that. It is pretty well advertised. So I started going to that. And when I first started going to that, I went to so many sessions just to learn. Cause I had my bike book written, but I didn't know how to make it into a book. And so I took all the sessions on that, like how to format a book, how to print a book, how to do this. And while I was there, um, I just talk to people. There's social things that go on there. There's tables set up. Talk to people. Start to find people that you feel you might be writing the same thing or you have things in common. Um, and then to top that off, there's a local writing center that I became part of and went to classes and would talk to people and go to the socials. And, you know, when you're at these things, when you're looking for people you might, you know, click with, the next step, and in our adult life, it can be a little bit harder or intimidating, but I would reach yes. out to people and say, hey, do you want to get together for a drink? Like, I just, I feel like we write similar or we have interests, just would, you know, love to talk about this. And so I made some really close friends by doing that because we do write in the same flair and we do have the same interests in writing. Um, for the virtual world, you know, I, I know social media can be overwhelming. And what I do is I do a lot of filtering, like on my Facebook, you know, what do I see on Facebook? What do I see on Instagram? And I look for things. So I look for maybe organizations to join or uh, events to participate in or what have you. And so just by doing a lot of filtering and looking for things, um, I have joined uh, the Canada Crime Writers and I have joined the Horror Writers Association, but I've also tuned into like I read a lot and I try to read authors that I see their cover, I see the description, I think I would love that. And you know what, there's a, there's a network out there. So when you start to find people that you love their work and you start to follow them and you talk to them, I mean, people are really poor. They love it when you reach out and say, geez, I really did like your book and this is why. Yeah. Uh, you start to kind of build a bit of a, you know, a organic community of people that you admire and you admire them because you want to write like that. And then, you know, they might pick up your stuff, maybe, maybe not, but the whole point is you're following people that you admire and then you become part of this network and then opportunities start to arise where you know like I read all your stuff and I loved it and I was um, part of your Patreon for a while and commenting on some of your I mean Danny was looking for input and I provided it and In over abundance. time 
Yeah. And over time we got to know each other and then eventually we did an anthology together. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, you don't have to spend too much time every day, just have it like where you're looking for things regularly and you'll start to find things and you can participate virtually or locally. Now things are starting to change again, but yeah. And you'll find those people that you really click with. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things to highlight there. Number one, obviously it's, it's a journey and it takes time. You can't just force relationships to happen. Um, But one thing that I really like about what you said is sort of training training your newsfeed because I think um, a lot of people don't realize or kind of forget sometimes that everything you are shown on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, whatever platform it is, it's curated in a way that it is, it's basing the content off of what it thinks you want to see. So the more you can actively go to the things that you like, the more of that stuff it will show you. So like on my Instagram, I know that if anything pops up that I'm like, this isn't going to be helpful. I'll very rapidly flick past it because I know that Instagram will go, Oh, we won't show him any more of those. Whereas some of the stuff that's a bit more useful to my writing to stuff that, you know, I enjoy. Um, I do that. So as you say, it's really, really important to train. And I think the other key point as well is, as you say, you went from reaching out to me, what was must've been about two and a half years ago now. Um, yeah. And saying, you know, you liked, you liked one of my stories. You wanted to do a reading of the story. We went backward and forward. You joined another Patreon and you gave very, very useful, valuable feedback to when winter comes as that was being written. Um, and there's, there is a, a, an authenticity to you and a genuine sort of honesty and transparency in who you are like you the fact that you read people's work before you reach out and give any kind of ask and even the ask that you give it a tiny that was one of the reasons that I was really kind of I paid attention to you and that I wanted to work with you because you know we seemed as we got to know each other very very similarly minded people um have you have you always taken an approach to networking like that because it seems very, very simple just to be like, you know, I want to reach out to this person. Maybe I should read some of their work, but a lot of people don't. And they just kind of go in for the cold call. Oh yeah. I've always been that way. Um, when I was in computer science, I did some very technical work, but near the end of that stint there of my life, I ended up being a business analyst, which means you basically interface between the big executives, the people using the system and the people building the system. And so I think I do have so much of a natural tendency to build relationships. However, anybody can do it. And so I'll use you as an example. I didn't plan to reach out to you. I read your work and I thought, wow, like I really like this. And so as I was commenting um, on the pieces that became when winter's when winter comes, I was just sincerely reacting to that writing and and pointing things out I thought could be better and and uh telling you what I really liked and under that situation you would ask for that kind of feedback if you Mm -hmm. read something recently I read one of the best books I've ever read in my life it's for me I'm the reader so I sent him an email and just basically said wow and this is why and I was very specific and that was my only intention because if someone read my book and they were that moved and they reached out to me, I mean, who wouldn't really appreciate that, especially if it's very specific and sincere, but I didn't have that intention of, Oh, I'm going to reach out to this guy or this guy or this guy. I just, I would read stuff. And as things came for me that were really powerful and, and really my type of reading, I would let them know because you know, they don't, you forget if people like your work, if nobody tells you, and then 
what happens is some of those people you realize you can build relationships with, but you don't go in just seeking that. You go in seeking to get to know people's work because I love to read. So whatever it is you love to do, do that. And naturally you will probably find those people Mm-hmm. that you really click with within that situation, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you just start sending a bunch of generic emails, you know, and it's clear you don't really know the person's work or mm-hmm. whatever, they're pro- you're probably not going to get much of a response from that. I've had those come in where it's clearly a form and they just put your name and they haven't even looked at any of your content and they don't know what they're asking. And, yeah. you know, probably that's not going to go anywhere. I think people, as you say, really underestimate Number one, how easy it is to reach out to an author and say, I love your work, but also how that doesn't happen as often as I think people think that it does. I think that when people read books that they enjoy, they assume there'll be a fleet of fans who are already praising them and, and showering them in adoration. But especially with indie authors, the reality is that isn't the case. Like, you know, you have um, fans that follow you that read your stuff, but you you really do appreciate those those messages, especially when, as you say, people can be specific and say, here's the reasons that I liked it. Like do more of this, please. Um, it really does mean a lot to an author and you can get very, very far just speaking to people and doing it that way. Like, and just, as you say, having that, that conversation without expectation and giving them that sort of space to go like, Oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll reply to this because I'm appreciative. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So just, you know, be sincere. And if you're nervous, I mean, frick, I've written emails where I'm literally sweating because I'm so nervous, right? Just (laughs) write it honestly, send it. And you know what? If it's meant to be, you'll Mm -hmm. get a reply. If it's not, you won't. And just then let it go. But don't not send it because, and you've told me this is, um, you can't, if you don't ask, you'll never get. Uh Uh, So um, when I approached, uh, when I've approached different people for, for different types of collaboration, Um, I just make it clear, this is what I'm interested in. Think about it, no obligation. And if it seems like something that kind of tickles you, then I'll hear back. And if not, not, and then you have to let it go because some things will work out and some things won't, but don't not ask, you know, like uh, the first mountain we biked up, my husband made it really clear to me that his definition of failure is not, I didn't make it to the top of the mountain. It's I sat down here and I didn't try to go up. Yeah. (laughs) That's um, really good. I feel like I'm really going to butcher this now, but there was a concept I read in the uh, the Will Smith book, Will, um, which is there are oh, there's two types of competition and or two types of failure. There's failure in the sense of like, if you're up in a fight against Muhammad Ali and you've trained and you've given it absolutely everything and he beats you, that's like an okay failure. Like you gave it everything. There was no way you could have done better. Yeah. But then to be in that position and to be lazy and to not try and then get in the ring and fail, that is just a failure that you don't want to have because you've not you've just not tried you've not given it yourself a fair shot at doing the thing you haven't set yourself up for success at all no yeah perfectly phrased um and you know we're swinging a lot around communities i do want to uh because i know we mentioned your sort of live book launches especially for um final track acid track was in a very very different environment um how are you approaching launches at the minute because you know uh, organizing an in-person band event all that kind of stuff is is very very different to running an, an online one where people kind of like gathered on the computer screens what is your approach to the oh launches? yeah well and i'm excited about it so the 80s metal murder series as i call it it is 80s metal infused with 
serial killer and detective and it's murder and it all it is all set in the 80s so when i did the first launch i really like to theme things because i think it just makes it really fun for people and we were right before shutdown so i actually did find a really dark dive bar because it's very suited to the settings in the book and I did get an 80s metal band, which I mean, I love 80s metal. So I'm infused in that in, in my city. So I know who the 80s metal bands are and approached. And that's actually a really good story too, how I found that band, but found that band. And of course I needed a place. I wanted a place that didn't cost a lot to book. And this place was free because they just want people to come in, <laughs> but they've also, they had the setup. They have live bands over there all the time. So I needed something <clears throat> excuse me, where the band could set up. And so that was great. And then, uh, yeah, I, I basically, I do a lot of really visual stuff. So I, you know, created a very clear picture through the uh, invitations and the social media stuff, what this was about. And then it is really, and I, I don't really like to sell myself, but I looked at it as networking, reaching out to all these people that might be interested and sharing it wherever I could and not worrying too much about overdoing it because people, if they want to come, they want to know about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So then when we moved into <clears throat> lockdown and I was doing the second one, I was going to do the same thing because people had said, Oh my gosh, that was like really fun. Cause it really was more of a party than a book launch and people just loved it. And so I recreated that scenario in my basement and I had like, I did a Zoom thing because I wanted people to be able to interact uh, rather than just doing a stream, which is appropriate for some things. And then I recreated kind of the dance bar in my basement with lights and stuff. And I, the same band I'd been in touch with, and they had been doing uh, streams, live streams every weekend. So they were really well set up to, they actually made it work so that I was in their party and they were in my party and it was really cool. So they were on the screen. It was the closest thing you were going to get to be at a live show during complete lockdown. And it, it went on for hours <clears throat> and a lot of people came. It was really, <clears throat> excuse me. It was really fun. Um, I also created the opportunity for them to get signed books delivered to their door wrapped all glam in 80s which which gave a good flair uh for the <clears throat> excuse me i don't know what's going on <laughs> for the third book so the third one is kind of like the final installment for detective mahoney it will continue in a little bit bit of a different way and it is still in the 80s but it kind of moves into like the uh gothic rock kind of flair and a bit of a vampire flair and it's still human monsters but there have been serial killers that do think they're they, they they have this thing called vampirism and it's exactly what you think it is so i really pushed it into that kind of the, the more the it's still detective it's still serial killer but it really highlights how horrifying and how this really does seep its fingers into the horror realm so i'm thinking um because our city is opening up um my idea is to have an in-person with a band. And I'm actually thinking about reaching out to local bands and maybe pairing with like a, a launch, a CD launch or an album launch so that we could do like a book slash album launch. And it's just an idea I'm toying with, but I want to have a really, really good in-person thing if we're able to do that because people are dying for that. And the people locally that have been reading the series, they've said, when's the next metal party? Like, I can't wait. I think I'll also do a virtual component because what I learned from the 
the one I did during lockdown is there are people that aren't here that would like to be able to participate. And so I've been doing uh, live streamed launches for other smaller works. Also, we did one for our anthology and it's a good opportunity for people not in the city to tune in and at least have some interaction, ask you some questions and have a little fun around the book launch. So I'd probably do both because the virtual one is really quite easy. Yeah, I do like that synergy between um, sort of local, in-person and digital as well. And I think, you know, obviously the pandemic has been very, very rough for so many people. But in terms of the acceleration of showing us what we can do with Zooms and obviously like we speak a lot on Zoom in different like sprints and masterminds and stuff like we wouldn't otherwise be able to be in, be in touch without this technology. And like I love I love the idea of incorporating that into the in-person stuff. So as you say, like people mm-hmm. from far and wide can still kind of get that experience. And it really is an experience that you build. And, you know, I compliment you a lot um, on your brand and your messaging. It's very clear when, you know, you look on your website, when you look on your books that like, you know what you're getting with Julie Heiner. Like you get this sort of 70s, 80s glam rock feel. And it's very, um, it, it's just branded in a way that, that speaks what it is. How do you, how do you approach your brand and how did you go about creating the image that you now fall behind? Well, I like, I didn't really think I was branding and I've always like struggled in my mind, like, I don't know how to brand. Um, so for me, um, when I wrote the first book and it was this 80s metal murder, I thought, oh man, this is weird. And who's going to read this? And maybe I shouldn't do this. But then I did it because I wanted to write it. And I've had so many moments of doubt where is this really clear to people? Because when I create website or when I work on my website or I work on images or whatever, I just really draw from what I love and what I've put in the book, the the 80s metal and the murder. And I really focus on that. And so I'm, I, I felt like I really wasn't sure if that was clear because when you're the one creating it and you're the one in it, it's really hard to see what it looks like with yes. an objective view. So I've asked people recently like you for reactions and I've put it out there like, what do you think? And over time, when people come to you and give you a comment like, wow, I know exactly what I'm getting or this is really clear, or you ask for an opinion and they're honest with you, that really reinforced for me, okay, it is clear. So now I just need to keep it the way it is and keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking to brand and you've never branded, I would just have to say, take a step back and think like, what am I writing uh, what is it about? And, and obviously it's going to be something to do with something you're passionate about. I would think, I think most writers, when you write, mm-hmm. it has something to do with something you care about. So then, okay, Julie loves eighties metal. Julie loves murder shows. So what is it about eighties metal? Well, you know, it's the flair. You know, I grew up in the eighties when you have the guys with the long hair and the you know, crazy riffs and the excitement around that and the look of it. And so I watch the videos and I look at the images and I just reflect in my own way what I see. You know, it's really easy to find a lot of stock images and things out there that reflect what you're looking for. And same with the murder. Like if someone loves how many people, you know, are addicted to true crime shows like Mm -hmm. me. So what is it about that that is so terrifying and addicting at the same time so draw on images from that and draw on things from that and those are things I love and things that are in the book and so I just put out there 
that passion and, and what I see. And so I would like say, if you're looking specifically to brand, step back, think, what is it you're writing? Why are you writing it? What do you love about it? And then draw on that for some simple images that convey that and start there. Yeah, I think um, you hit the nail on the head as well with the fact that, you know, for you, it it felt maybe easy is the wrong word, but you wasn't sure that you were creating a brand because you were just doing the things that you love. And like, I argue a lot that in order to build a sustainable brand, especially it needs to be fueled off of passion. It needs to be, again, honest and authentic to you. And I think that we, a lot of writers will go into the business of writing and kind of imagine that there's some version of themselves they have to become in order to reach those readers. And I, I try and bring as many people back down and say, you know, at the end of the day, you are you. And although you're so used to you that you don't think there's anything of value, and I'm sure like at some point in this conversation, we'll pop into imposter syndrome because that's like rife everywhere at the minute. Um, but just because you are used to you, you don't see those, those elements of value. Whereas yeah. there are other people out there that are crying out to have those conversations, to share those similar interests. And, you know, I would argue that in, in the long term, even though it's a slower build, um, you will make much more stronger connections with your readers because they know what they're getting when, when they come to you. And if they like one of your things, they like the rest. And that's speaking from, you know, I, yeah. I have played around with my brand a lot with like different genres I've written in and different styles and stuff. And so like, it was only after I started solidifying, I am horror that things started to actually come together, but sometimes you need that time to play. Yeah, exactly. You do. You do. Mm-hmm. Don't be too hard on yourself. Step back, reflect. I mean, how I found that band for the first launch, I went out one night with my friend to see this eighties band. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to have a Bon Jovi t-shirt on. She <laughs> happened to be dressed like Britney Spears. It's kind of a long story. We were out at another <laughs> thing beforehand. Well, this band was so good and we were up there dancing and we took a break and then we heard them say, where's Bon Julie and Brittany get up here. And we're like, what? And so then they played all like the Bon Jovi and all the metal stuff. And so when I reached out to them later, I mean, of course they remembered who I was. And so I just said like, I'm looking, this is what I'm looking to do. And so they worked, you know, we were able to negotiate something that would work for my budget, but be fair to them. And also they just like, they ended up advertising the book because they were so excited that, someone was writing this 80s metal book and mm-hmm. and to put a further thing on that they actually do an 80s hairband thing that they brought out for that launch because they weren't really doing the full 80s hair the night I met them but uh-huh. so if you're just out there doing things you love you're gonna find mm-hmm. and I'm not saying everybody hires a band but like whatever okay. for you makes sense right mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned as well that two books out of that series are out. You are in the final processes of the third one about to launch that book. Am I yeah. correct? Yeah, it's, so it's written, it's edited, it's almost ready to package up. I'm working on the cover work and uh, I'm looking probably in the summer because I think it'd be great. We don't get a long summer here mm. and it might be a really good opportunity to uh, have kind of an outdoor thing if possible. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned. It will be this year. It will be before winter. It will probably be in the summer. Um, but I just wanted to say like, um, I've heard so many things about like, never go be, go back and redo something. Um, but now I'm starting to, I'm watching a lot of webinars. I'm learning a lot from other people, other authors who are doing really well. And I'm really hearing this common theme now that 
that's not necessarily true. You can go back and redo stuff. And I have reread the books and I feel like the writing is there and I don't really want to change that. I, I would if it, if I'd gone back and read it and thought, Oh dear, but I don't feel that way. Um, however, I did create the covers for the first two and some people love them, but I think for the general online sales thing, they're not necessarily clear that they belong together or, and they don't really reflect the content or the genre that it fits in. Mm -hmm. And so I am going back and having someone else with more experience redo the first two and do the third one. So I see this as an opportunity to kind of relaunch. I mean, I'm not going to take them down and put them up again, but relaunch the look of the first two and then launch the third one at the same time. And I mm -hmm. think there's nothing wrong with it. I know people who even went back and rewrote some of the content and, and had a new cover and relaunched. Mm -hmm. And if you get to a point where like, I've just learned so much and I think there's nothing wrong with stepping back and saying, okay, what could, what should I have done differently? You can go back and do it if that's the right thing for you to do. Some people move on and they write other stuff and that works too. For me, this is such a passion project and it's going to really set up all my other books that have an 80s metal flair that I just feel it is worth the time and effort to do it. So I'm quite excited about it. Yeah. And it's looking fantastic. And I think, you know, it's it's the evolution of being an author. You know, the the final track was the first book um, or first fiction book that you kind of worked on. So Oh, yeah. You know, lots of so many authors are in that position, especially self-published authors who, you know, you put something out there because you want to understand the process. You have to go through the process to understand what it's all about. And it's not until you've got a couple more works under your belt that you start to realize those patterns, realize market trends, realize what it is you're trying to do with your book. Um, so I think, like you say, going back and switching it and changing some bits, you're, you're more than allowed to do that. That's one of the beauties of, of self-publishing and I mean I've yeah. done multiple covers for my first novella I'm definitely in the throes of going back to completely rewrite that um because it was first written in 2015 I'm definitely mm -hmm. a much stronger writer now um but yeah it's it's that evolutionary journey of allowing you to keep adapting and growing and making your books better exactly yeah mm. um and don't be afraid to try new things so when I did write that first novel, I honestly, I, I, I acknowledged it was going to be a big project, but I didn't really know what I was doing at all. And I got a lot of feedback, you know, a lot of feedback, a lot of learning, and I listened. It's really hard to listen and not get emotional about it, but just listen. And you don't have to, to take every bit of advice, but if you really listen, you'll hear advice. And I just, I've, for so long, I've been wanting to um, like I see the first book as a movie because it's really visual. And I've had people say that to me. So um, I did just write the first draft of the screenplay. I took some classes, some really good classes, and it's going to be a journey. But why, if there's something you really, really want to try, just try it, just do it. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but if I'll never find out if I can do it or if it's something that should be done unless I don't try. Mm -hmm. And how do you divide your time between the words and all of the learning? Because like you say, you're working yeah. on book three, you've got other projects, you've been going to these script writing classes. I know that you've been doing lots of sort of behind the scenes marketing and, and ad learning yeah. and stuff. So what does what does a sort of typical week look like for Julie Heiner? Yeah, um, I kind of Monday to Thursday, I usually have, get quite a bit of work done. 
Um, and, but even within my day, and I, I often spend at least one day on the weekend. So say there's five days a week often that I'm doing a good amount of work. Um, but I also, uh, I love to ride bikes. I love to hike. So in the winter, I do hike outside through the winter, but the cycling I do inside. So I actually need like, for me to be happy, I need two hour chunks most days where I'm doing some kind of uh, workout or training or activity. So I tend to get up and do a few hours of work in the morning. And then I take a break for a couple hours and do my activity. And then I do a few more hours of work in the afternoon. Um, now, some days I just work all day if I'm really in the mood. And I know I have some days coming up where I'm going to get my activities in. And similarly, some days I just go and do activities all day. But I like to split it up where I'm getting some creative stuff done in the morning, get a nice workout in to take a break, clear your head, and then often do like sort of follow-ups, business work, that kind of stuff in the afternoon. Now, ideally, I do want to be spending more time writing than I am doing the business side, but right now it's kind of split because I'm getting the hang of being an indie author and doing the marketing and taking care of sales and promos and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Also, I, I love that wording at the end. So Final Track came out two years ago and or nearly two years ago. And yeah. the wording that you had there was, I'm just learning to be an indie author. Yeah, I am. And I like I'm yeah. I'm not highlighting that for anything negative. Like that's absolutely true. I think as as we've mentioned, writing a book is a Herculean task. And I've said it multiple times that, that first book that people write tend to be the book of the heart because it's, you know, I want to write a book and people think about it for years and years. And then when you actually go through the process, you really do want to deliver whatever that that sort of dream book was that you had in your mind. But then yeah. there's a kind of there's a switch at a certain point which goes from, oh, I've I've written and I published a book. If I've done it once, I can, I can do it more. And then, you know, you see all these authors who are making money, who are, you know, producing more books and making more works and creating careers out of this. Where do you think the sort of big mindset shift came for, for you? At what point during that journey did you kind of go right now, now I'm switched onto another path? Uh, once I had actually written the first book and gone, like not just drafted it, but gone through it enough times to give it to an editor, mm -hmm. I realized, huh, it took me a couple of years to learn how to just write. So while it's in the editor's hand, Julie, you should write the next book. And I did. And I think that was the key for me is that I wrote the next book because, um, people, so many people that are doing well are saying, write, just keep writing, write the next book. And then the next big thing for me was when I realized, okay, I'm going to keep writing novels, um, was to figure out how to sell them. And the in-person thing for me is going well. The online component is a big learning curve for me. Um, so I invested some time uh, between big writing projects to slowly learn. And one thing at a time, for example, I didn't even start a newsletter until I think I had, I was almost launching the second one or I just launched it and it's never too late. I just watched something recently with this woman who's doing really well. And she said, you know, my first four or five books weren't really selling that well. And I wasn't really sure what to do. Well, now she's selling so many books. And I think the message there was it's never too late and just learn one thing at a time. Don't get overwhelmed and try to learn it all at once. It's too much. Yeah. It's staying the course. So again, something I've said quite a lot, the, 
when I first started out, there are a lot of authors who aren't around now because, you know, it, it is a tough business. They find other things to do and, you know, everyone's got their own path to go on. But I do think that a lot of um, where I've got to is just literally come from the fact that I'm still here and I'm still doing it. And I'm still putting in the effort. So yeah. it, it, it definitely is a long game for people, um, especially in the author life. And the most, if you want to optimize your chances of having success with your books, just keep writing and just keep putting stuff out and just keep letting that yeah. audience grow because yeah. I mean even even your audience has built up massively in the last sort of year compared to where it was so yeah like, it's, it's tried and true methods um I did want to touch on a little bit of mindset stuff because um I think me and you are very very similar in how number one how we work how we kind of go through cycles of, of working and and bits and pieces and I know we've we've had conversations especially recently about sometimes you know how there's a very fine line between this work being predicated on work versus the passion and the joy for why you're doing the thing um so how do you how do you approach keeping your energy and trying to avoid burnout oh it's a great question um like i said a big thing for me is my physical activities and my physical health i feel different and even if you're not like really big into physical activities even doing 30 minutes or an hour of something like a walk or a yoga or something um, can just, you're in now in tune with your physical body. You're giving your brain a bit of a break and you need, like, I think you need physical, mental, and spiritual all flowing together. And so that's really important. The other thing is I love to read and I love to watch movies. I love to consume. Mm. So I have been in where I was writing so much. I wasn't consuming. And then you're kind of drained. So um, I pair, like if I'm spinning inside to stay in shape for the summer cycling, I watch things while I'm spinning because Mm. then I'm like tearing apart movies and learning while, but I'm also feeding my brain with ideas. Like everything you write, you're going to be, putting things in there based on influenced by other things you've watched that you love. Similarly, watch a lot of music videos because music really inspires my writing. Um, And then take time. Like I have a hot bubble bath pretty much every day and that's my meditation time and my chill time. And I usually do some journaling afterwards. So take time to make sure that you you've rested, you've chilled out, you've calmed down, your energy is, good you know and and of course then time with my husband and time doing the things I love too so I think balance is the key word here and to take care of all the different parts of you is really important I like that three central pillars of Julie um I also also like the um the bubble the idea of the bubble bath every day because I have one probably about twice a week just because I I really do chill out in the bath and I'll sit and I'll read my kindle and like it's nice to to soak the muscles and stuff but I would it's one of those I would have it every day, but I've got this this voice from my mum in the back of my head of now it wastes water, but you know I'm 30 oh. now, so fuck her. <laughs> well, it you know what it does. Um, but if you have a long hot shower, it's yeah. probably the same. Um, and yeah, I we'll see like, I listen to things while I'm, <laughs> I either listen to meditative music or sometimes put on the Rob Zombie because mm. um, there actually is. It, Metal actually does soothe your mind. There is like, there's articles around that. But um, so whatever like makes you feel good, maybe you're listening to a podcast or you're running a meditation or, and it could involve the hot bath or not. But for me, that just that, yeah, I, I, I live, I have a hot bath every day. Yeah, nice. pretty much. Yeah, I like that. So we are coming up to our time. So I have um, two more questions for you. Number one is what is next for Julie? 
Well, um, the big launch of book three, um, I really do want to follow up my nonfiction with another nonfiction book. Um, I do have a deep sea horror novella that I've written that I need to do something with and a couple of uh, pretty cool collaborations coming up that aren't fully fleshed out yet. And, but so collaborations, horror books, more crime books, uh, and probably more short stories too. Um, but I do just want to say that the, the dark crime I write, it, it's so laced with horror that there's almost not a lot of difference between the two worlds, except the real nitty gritty investigation and, and that kind mm. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and final question from me is, why do you, Julie Heiner, write? Because I like I grew up loving to read so much. I would be lost in these books and tuning everything out, including my really noisy brother. And uh, <laughs> I really wanted to recreate that for other people. But also, I really wanted to show like, I think serial killers are the, some of the scariest things ever, which is why there is a lot of horror around them. And I wanted to show really the inside of that person's mind as much as I could, because it is really scary and there's real no solution to this. And also I wanted to show what it's like for a real detective. And so I did interview intensely uh, a real detective and have based my character a lot on him. And I wanted to show what that's really like because a lot of these people, men and women who do this job are just really broken and it's really hard. But yeah. without them, that these people aren't stopped. Yeah, love it. So where can my listeners find out everything about yourself and all that you're working on? If you go to killersanddemons.com, that's the easiest place. And I am Killers and Demons on Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, Twitter. So it's all there. But the the, face, the uh, website is where I try to put everything. Yeah. Nice. And we'll have all the links for that in the show notes. So I want to say a massive thank you, Julie, for joining me on the show today. And thank you so much for having me. No worries. And a massive thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. And as always, if you're looking to level up your writing and activate your author career, head on over to activatedauthors.com to find out all about our community, our resources, and everything else that we've got going on. We will see you next week. Activate your energy.